All right, let's all stand. We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer. As you know, this is Communion Sunday, and this year, for as long as it goes, we are uh, looking at one stanza of the Lord's Prayer uh, each Communion Sunday. It's a rich study, at least for me, and I'll share with you why in a moment. But let's go on ahead, and I think I put it in the, um, the slides. Uh, Hannah? Oh, there it is. Okay, you all see that? All right, we're getting really liturgical here, all right? So let's begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Why is the Lord's Prayer even important to us? Why do we even concern ourselves with it? You know, I, I've learned of times just recently of those who are on their deathbed, those who are declining quickly, that that is one place, whether they went to church very much or not, but that is the one place they want to come back to as one gentleman made the request of his wife, he says, let's say the Lord's Prayer together as he is ready to die. Why is that? It centers us, doesn't it? It has that way of just centering us regarding what's most important. It brings us back to center. It allows everything else to just be eclipsed. Everything else just to kind of wash into the background. And all of a sudden, that which is most important, maybe we've even lost sight of it through the years, but just all of a sudden that comes together in HD and vivid color. I think that's why Jesus invites us into this. I like what Ninti Wright, when he said this, he said, this sin is how you should pray. That's what Jesus told the disciples. But N.T. Wright, a great scholar, a man with whom I have great respect, he says this regarding this. I've shared this before, but it sort of brings us back to that center point. When Jesus gave his disciples this prayer, he was giving them a part of his own breath, his own life, his own prayer. And Jesus invites us into that sacred space because as we recite this, as we understand this, not in a rote way, but in a formative way, it brings everything back into great clarity. We've, so far, we've looked at how God is our Father. Our Father who is in the heavens. The one who is present right here, right now with us. Our Father, our God who is our Father. Not just our Father, not just any Father, but Abba, Father. Daddy. Daddy. That's who He invites us into. That kind of relationship. But then we saw that God is not just our Father, but our Father is God. And it requires, it calls us into a state of reverence. And then coming out of that, Brian preached last month, his kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Suddenly you start to feel tension building. Like, wow, this is not just some rote thing. This is a, this is a life 
that we are being called into. A life with God. And when we understand where this is all going, when we say to Him, Your kingdom, My kingdom, Your will, My will, all of a sudden that begins to raise some questions within us. It begins to raise up some thoughts within us. And in the backstage of our lives, it begins to confront maybe some emotions within us. Some emotions confront some of our fears. And if I pray this way, and if I really take this out of just that centering prayer into a lifestyle, if I pray this way, can I, or maybe more appropriate, am I willing to trust you, God, <coughs> to meet my needs? Because you're not calling me into just some recitation of liturgy. What you're calling me into is your kingdom, your will for my life. And that raises questions, doesn't it, when we really think about it? It raises questions like, what about my needs, God? If it's your kingdom, your will, not my kingdom, my will, what about my needs? And on the backstage of my life, I voiced very early on in my life, Fears like if I make his kingdom the agenda for living my life, if I honor God with a tithe of my income and I give to the poor, if I serve the needs of, no, of others, then what about my needs? Who's going to be my needs? And forget the needs part. What about the desires that I may have for living life? What about my own desires? I have dreams too. One early season of my life, I was just beginning ministry in Moreno Valley, California, and I'd become friends, and he was one of my leaders. This man, his name was Steve, and he was president of, of a bank, Redlands Bank. And he walked up to me, and he was kind of an intimidating guy, you know, bankers, how they can be, kind of like attorneys. Um, but he walked up to me, and he said, Martin... If I set aside my own self-interests so I may serve the needs of others, if I really buy into this kingdom of God thing and I really go all in with it like what you've been talking about, who is going to meet my needs? Who's going to meet my desires? What about me? Anybody ever think that? I have. What about me? Because see, Jesus is calling us into deeper and deeper into a different reality that forms different choices and different priorities than would be made if it were my kingdom and my will. Right? He's calling us in deeper and deeper into life with God through this prayer. So Jesus goes on. And I think that this next stanza that we're going to look at today begins to address some of these fears, some of these concerns. And in verse 11, he says this, Give us today our daily bread. 
Give us today our daily bread. Seems pretty basic, right? And I think, well, if life with God, if all that I can ask Him for is bread, that's pretty, pretty anemic. That's, there's not much there, right? I mean, can I get, can I get some Dave's killer bread? I mean, can I get that? Or do I, gotta, do I have to settle for white? Or do I have to eat wheat? You know? Give us this day our daily bread. <coughs> need to understand that there's more to bread than bread that Jesus is referring to here. I like what theologian and philosopher and apologist Ravi Zacharias says. I think he nails it. He said, to the Middle Eastern mindset, bread is not just a means of nourishment. It's much, much more. It is a means of friendship because one shares their bread in community. It is a means of celebration. And it is a means of pleasure. We are to enjoy what we eat. Some of us enjoy it a little too much. But we are to enjoy what we eat. It's part of what it means to be human. It's to find joy in life and to find joy in what you are doing. He goes on, he says, when we ask God to give us our daily bread, we are, asking for not, we are asking for every need that we have, that we have in order to flourish as human beings in the image of God. We are saying, God, meet my needs as a human being. And I'm to ask him to give me that bread. To give me that bread. God, give me what it is I need not just a, a, a piece of bread, but Lord, give me everything that I need to be able to flourish as a human being in your kingdom. That's what he's calling us into. That's what this encapsulates. When I, uh, last Sunday I was sick and I mentioned I was being driven by, hopefully, the Holy Spirit over NyQuil or DayQuil. And, uh, but, you know, I thought, this is a cold, I'll get over it. And, uh, but after preaching and going to a guest lunch and, and then community group, I just crashed that night. I thought, I feel horrible. And I went to bed and I didn't sleep much at all. I just was frustrated. Woke up the next morning, got up the next morning, wasn't much waking up. Um, and I started working, and I started working on this passage, just thinking through it, and just thinking through what Robbie has to say regarding that issue. And then I left the office, I went home, and I thought, I just got to go to bed. So I went home, went to bed, slept all afternoon, and then took my evening nap, and uh, went to bed around 10. I thought, Lord, I am not going to sleep at all, and I am miserable. And as I laid down in bed, I thought, Lord, I'm going to practice what I've learned today. Lord, would you give me exactly what I need in terms of rest? Just give me what I need for rest. And slept like a rock. Without drugs. Without NyQuil, even. Because... Didn't have any. I was too cheap to go buy some. So, 
came home, went, went, got up the next morning. And Kim said, so how'd you sleep? Because I told her, I said, I'll sleep back in the guest room, honey. Because this, is, this isn't going to be pretty. And she said, no. So the next afternoon, I was still feeling, the next morning, I was still feeling rather bad. Rested, but badly. So I came to, to, to office, had staffing. They kicked me out. And uh, so I went home and I slept for about an hour and I got up and I felt like a new man. And then that evening I just said, Lord, give me exactly what I need. And slept. I think that's what he's talking about. Does God give us what we need in order to be able to flourish as children in this kingdom that is your kingdom and not mine your will and not mine God take care of me as your child that's the idea that he's getting at here take care of me as your child And when we understand that it kind of helps the emotions to maybe to subside some. And to say, you know what? I'm laying aside my kingdom and my will for God's kingdom and His will. And I'm going to say, God, You take care of me. You take care of me. And that creates, and that calls me into a radical dependence when I say give us today our daily bread it calls me into this radical sense of dependence where I am honest and specific about what I need the bread but also what I long for as a human being what I need and what I long for. And understand that as we call these things out, if it be something as basic as sleep or something as necessary as friendship, community, as we call this out, recognize that this is a cry for help. That's what Jesus intended this to be. This interdependence between us and God. It's a cry for help to our Father, who is God, and God, who is our Father. It is a cry for help. And it's also a way of saying, God, I don't have something that I really either need or I long for. And it's also a way of saying, but I will trust you for that very thing or that very person be it bread on a plate be it friendship around the table be it celebration of life god that's what i need that's what i long for so i cry out I cry out with honesty, but also I choose to be humble and content with that which He does provide, right? With that which He does provide. 
Forgive us today our daily bread. This is a prayer of simplicity. It's a prayer of simplicity. And that is, while you are aware of what you don't have, you choose to enjoy that which you do have. You choose that which you do have. But it's also a prayer of what I would call detachment. Um, and that is, says, that says this, that, you know, Lord, I will choose to be content with that which I do have. And to focus on that. This changes the whole way in which I choose to live in the world. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, Martin, as I pray this prayer, give us today this daily bread. And if it's a cry out to help for God to give me that which I need and long for, sounds like you're setting me up to say I'm not going to get it. <laughs> right? <coughs> the cynic in me kind of feels that peace. Um, and I'm not setting this up. I'm telling us straight up that there will be times when we don't get everything that we long for. And there may be times when we feel like we don't get everything that we need. Um, that's the hard piece of this. But it's where we bring ourselves under God's headship and God's lordship and say, God, I am asking for this and I'm dependent upon you for this and I long for this. But Lord, I choose to be content with what I do have and what I don't have. Now, how much should I choose to be content with? Well, Paul puts it like this. If you had food, clothing, and shelter, be content with that. That's pretty minimal, right? Actually, he says food and clothing. I throw shelter in because I think it's in the Greek in there somewhere. But, um, but food and clothing. And at that point, we sit back, we take a deep sigh of relief and say, God, I long for more, but I'm okay if this is all I have. And that, in and of itself, folks, kind of helps us realize that this is not just a prayer of simplicity, a prayer of detachment, but it's also a prayer of realization that we may have times of hunger, that we may have times, we will have times of disappointment in community, that there is no heaven on earth right now, at least not yet. But of this we are assured, he says, that what we do have now we celebrate, but what we long for that we do not have now, we realize that that is a taste of what we will one day have. That is a taste. We have that within us because we are human beings made in the image of God. And God has said right now we live in a world of of imperfection and brokenness but at some point at some time realize this that the brokenness will be healed and the imperfection will be made perfect and that which is lacking will be provided in fullness that's what he's saying and so as we pray this prayer i choose to be humble and content with what he provides but also i will be hopeful for what is to come what is to come? And that's the centering piece on this for me. 
And it says, I'm not going to get everything I long for. And you know what? It's not everyone else's fault. Instead, I just realized the nature of the world in which I live, but I also embrace the nature and the promise of the hope which is to come, which I have been given. I love Isaiah 25, where it says this of this future promise, which is echoed in Revelation. But it says, The Lord of, the, of, the arm, of heaven's armies. Now, who is that? Anybody know? What's that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Okay? Think back to when we went through the names of God. Okay? It's Jesus. The Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful, wonderful peace, uh, excuse me, a wonderful feast for all people of the world. And it will be deli a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine. And I like this part. Choice meat. Choice meat. The good stuff. The Angus beef. There, there he will remove the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death that hangs over all of the earth that we live in right now. Okay? He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults, insults, all mockery against His land and people. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the people will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted in Him and He saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trust. Let us rejoice in the salvation He brings. And all God's people said, Amen. That is our hope. We will have times where we hunger for that today. Where that is the longing of our hearts. <coughs> but understand this, it's not yet. And any blessing that we get from the hand of God that is the result of our praying, give us today this, our daily bread. And all that that means is a taste of what is to come. It's sort of like the sample ladies at Costco. You know, they give us that sample. It's a taste. And by the way, the whole thing is right over here. Well, Jesus gives us that taste now of what will be in fullness coming soon. Okay? Give us this day, give us today our daily bread. This also commits us to, or calls us, calls me, calls us, commits us, to an authentic, engaging community. What's this about? See, when we pray this, like what we prayed this morning, we pray this alongside of others. Uh, we pray with the awareness that among us, perhaps even this morning, there are those who have less than what they need. 
or we are aware of those who may not be here who have less than what they need. So we pray this with a community awareness. An awareness that says, Lord, I have what I need and I thank You for that. I've got rich friendships. I've got rich food. I've got what I need. I've got food, clothing, and shelter. And Lord, life is good right now. But you know what? There are those among me, among us, Lord. There are, there's those that I know personally for whom this is not true. And I pray that on behalf of their life. I pray it on behalf of them. And I pray with empathy for others. For as I pray it, we lay ourselves aside, we lay our own needs aside, and we say, God, how can I be a conduit of Your grace and Your mercy, Your daily bread? How can I be a conduit, a a blessing of daily bread for someone else who does not have it? So this calls us to community engagement. It calls us to interact and share and say, this is what I long for. So that other members of the community may be aware and may pray with you and may engage with you in those needs. That's what it does. So this begs the question, what do you need today? What do you need today? If you were to pray this today, with all that this means, what do you need? What do you need? I want us to spend some time praying. And praying for one another. You know, when we pray, give us this day, today, our daily bread... It speaks to those things which I mentioned, but it's got an even bigger implication and picture, and that it is at the core of the understanding of bread is Jesus. It goes back, it pictures back to when God met Israel in the desert and He gave them manna to survive on. That was a picture of of God eventually providing Jesus. And then you fast forward to when Jesus says in John chapter 6, He says, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am that bread. And then you picture forward to when He says, this bread is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. That's the bread that we need most in addition to all that we've said. He is the one who is the fulfillment of all the promises, right? He is the one. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. It's a fulfillment of that promise, but it's not just a promise, it's, a, it's the experience of a new reality called the kingdom of God where God is our father but God is not just our father our father is God 
And he calls us into this whole new way of life. You see how it all works together? It all is the same picture, just looked at from different angles. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to participate in this. This time of communion where Jesus said to His disciples, this is My body which is broken for you. The sacrifice that makes all of that which we've talked about possible. And this is My blood which was shed for you. Because apart from that, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no cleansing. There's no expiation. There's no justice. Because He took it for us. That's what we take into ourselves. And we say, thank you, God. And while we take it in physically, we also take it in spiritually, realizing that that is the fulfillment of the promise that we've been talking about. So I want to invite us all to come forward. I want to invite Tom to come forward and um, Cal. They are they will be serving you, since the other elders are all up at uh, men's retreat, except for Nate and myself. But uh, we want to invite you to come forward and just to receive from them. And as they, as you they give you the bread, they will say, "This is my body. This is Christ's body, which is broken for you." And this is Christ's blood which was shed for you. The fulfillment of the promise which is also a down payment for the fulfillment of the promise yet to come. And that's what we look forward to most. That's what we long for most. This is a sample. (laughs) This is a sample of what is to come. So I want to invite you to come on down the center and then take the elements and go back. And then we will partake together.